welcome to the Stop Chasing What Isn't Changing podcast. I am Elaine Scuds, a mom of three, hairstylist and salon owner, entrepreneur, and been told by many, a great listener. I chased dreams for years, the perfect house, the perfect body, the perfect family, and the perfect job. I realized I spent so many years chasing someone else's standards, someone else's dreams, all thanks to society. The conversations on this podcast are here to help you accept, love, and validate yourself. They are here to spark inspiration, to help motivate, and to help you grow into being comfortable and happy with the life you have. As I have these conversations, I hope you realize that age and gender should not limit you on what you desire and that being a woman and a mom shouldn't be so damn hard. And on the days you feel defeated, you are not alone. Stop chasing someone else's standards, someone else's dreams. It is time to declare your own and to start your journey. Thank you for being here. Welcome back to the Stop Chasing What Isn't Changing podcast. I have such a beautiful face staring back at me, such a big smile. Um, I'm Elaine Scuds, and I have Lisa Hicks with me um, for this podcast, and I'm so excited to have her join me today. Thanks for being here, Lisa. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you today. So am I. Lisa is a queer, quirky, neurodivergent mom of two. She lives with her kids and her husband of 10 years in Ontario. Through the journey of self-discovery, Lisa came out as a queer woman and is navigating what that means in a happily monogamous, hetero-presenting marriage. Lisa owns a coaching business and has a team of three incredible coaches working alongside her. Her business and coaching method is designed to help People understand why their brains work the way they do, help them to unlearn old stories and help them to live the happiest and most fulfilling life possible. Lisa and her team offer virtual one-to-one sessions, online community gatherings, an ADHD support group and other group programs. So I have never actually met Lisa. Lisa is a life coach, like I said, and I came across her page with, because of Instagram. So Instagram has been my best friend with so many different kinds of mentorships, right? Like I, I follow so many people over the last five, six years that have really inspired my life. Totally. Do you feel the same? Oh my gosh, absolutely. I have, I have such a love-hate relationship with Instagram because, you know, social media can be very challenging to navigate, but at the same time, I've met some of the most, like some of my best friends, some of the most incredible people through social media. And for that, I'm, I'm so grateful. Yeah, me too. Um, Lisa posted a contest and, um, along with her friend, Jen, who is a photographer, her IG handle, I will share in the write-up for this podcast. Uh, she does boudoir shoots and she does beautiful work and the work she does with beautiful plus size bodies really just, it, it just stuck with me so much. So, um, so I had messaged Lisa and I said, I would love to have you on my podcast, because if you look at Lisa's Instagram page, 
it's so positive then like talking to her right now she has this beautiful rainbow of colors behind her as a backdrop and it just makes makes you smile so I thought she would be great because from what I have I've never talked to her like I said but from what I've seen she is someone that I think um, I would love to have as a friend she's positive she helps people when they are um, not dealing with issues properly. She gives tips on breathing techniques and it all goes hand in hand with what she does for a living now, which is a life coach. But we're going to backtrack because I want people to know your story and, and know why you ended up doing this. I love it. Thank you so much. Um, I actually just installed, I had a friend, I didn't do this. Mm -hmm. um, my friend did this beautiful rainbow for me behind me. And it's just like, it's so interesting how it's brought so much joy to me, to my clients, to everyone. And it's just like, yeah, it really makes a difference when your space reflects how you're feeling on the inside. Sure. That was yeah. a very cool experience for me because I'm not usually a design person, but now I'm like, oh my gosh, where else can we put rainbow in this house? <laughs> my poor husband's like, uh. <laughs> um, so uh, as you mentioned, I, uh, I am a life coach. Um, I initially, so I, growing up, I was never really the kid who, had kind of career goals. I knew I wanted to work. Um, I've been working my whole life. Like, you know, since I was, I don't know, even like 13, I bought my first Discman for all of you who remember Discmans. And uh, I, I love, I love working. And uh, I went to school and got my undergrad in honors uh, psychology. And initially I was going to be a teacher uh, and I realized that I didn't like children. Um, so working with children, I love children. I love my own. They're wonderful, but that was not a career path for me. Right. Uh, and so I decided to take a year off of school and, uh, I just kind of, you know, life happened. I met my, my future husband. Um, you know, we got, we moved in together. So we started to have bills. So work was important. I had a corporate job at the time uh, and for a company that I was very passionate about. And, uh, you know, life just kind of progressed. We got engaged, we got married, uh, and then we had kids. And so uh, all along that time, I was like, okay, I'm a corporate person. I work in corporate. This is what I'm doing. It pays my bills. Um, it never really fit, but I was like, I don't know, maybe this is just how it's supposed to be. So uh, I had my first uh, son and he was born four weeks early and uh, it was very traumatic in the sense that uh, A, my water broke when we were going down the 401 on the way to a friend's uh, bachelorette party oh, and no. um, it was, you know, I thought I had four more weeks and anyways, so the birth itself was, was, was fine. Um, but then he was put in the NICU because he had jaundice and he was having some breathing challenges. Uh, and I, because he was new, he couldn't, he was having a really hard time nursing. And, uh, for me, my experience at the hospital was they pushed nursing really hard. And so, um, I, Felt like a complete failure. So already my first two steps into motherhood, having my baby born early and being in the NICU and then not being able to nurse felt like, 
colossal failures to me at the time. It is not, but at the time, that's how, that's yeah. how it felt to me. Um, and I, you know, I slipped, I slipped deeper and deeper into depression because I was, I was pumping because I felt like at least if I could give him breast milk, then, you know, I would be an okay mother and I isolated and, and, uh, I would come to find out later that I had postpartum depression and I felt at the time, and this was when social media was still fairly, I want to say superficial, like it wasn't like it is now where there's a lot more real talk. There's a lot more uh, real conversations happening. So all I saw were all of these perfect mothers living these perfect lives with their perfect children seamlessly, effortlessly. And I was sitting there like leaking and crying and just like, what the fuck have I done? Mm-hmm. Um, I just and- want to, sorry, just really quick. Yes. I just want to say yeah. that I totally agree with you on all of that. And yeah. I always thank God that social was not around when I had my three kids because I would have been, it would have been terrible for myself personally, because I was always comparing myself body wise, performance wise, you know, and, but the whole pushing the breastfeeding, that is something that is like changing a lot, but my nephew was born preemie as well. And he was born about six months after my daughter. So unfortunately my sister just really wanted to nurse him so bad. I remember she was crying because every time he tried to latch on, he would, he would lose calories. And I finally said to her, like, give him the freaking bottle. Like you want your son home or do you want him to stay here? You know, like, don't, you're not a failure. You're a failure. If you don't do what you want to do for your child. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So my heart breaks for you. It it's, you know, and yes, I agree. And we're, I think we're, there's also way more conversations now about yes, like that is best and, you know, um, and at least removing some of that, uh, I just want to like stigma, like, yes, yeah. we know that breast milk is amazing for, for babies and that's great. But what's also amazing for babies is a functional mom yeah. and like a mom who, who feel, cause I, I, I felt next to no attachment to yeah. my son at the time. Right. Because it was just such a chaotic experience and you know my marriage was having like navigating being new parents and it was just it was a lot so I uh, and at that time I was just I just felt like there was not enough support for new moms like there was lots of support for moms of baby or like for the babies and sort of the moms I had midwives they were lovely I really liked them, um, but it's all about the baby, right? Like once the baby comes out, the mom definitely take, in my experience, takes a bit of a backburn. And because he was a higher needs baby, I think yes. that, you know, made it a little bit more challenging as well. So I remember just like laying, laying awake at night, not able to sleep. My anxiety was out of control and just being like, there has to be support for like, we need something has to change. Like this is not okay. Like I felt so alone. I was afraid to talk about what I was feeling with, even though my husband was very supportive. My mom was very supportive. I had supportive friends. I still felt like a failure because I was like, I hate this. This is not how I envisioned motherhood going. So uh, fast forward, uh, I eventually ended up getting diagnosed and treated for postpartum depression. Um, I saw a therapist 
who said something so revolutionary to me that uh, it still sticks with me to this day. I was talking about my experience and she was like, I never really enjoyed the baby phase. And I just like gawked at her and I was like, wait, you're allowed to not enjoy this stage. And she was like, yes, (laughs) I was like, oh my God, like it was like 85 pounds had been lifted off of my shoulders. And it was like, okay, it's okay that I don't love every minute because, you know, every little old lady in the grocery store is like, oh, enjoy every minute. It goes so fast. It's, you know, and, uh, and And no one ever showed you that it was hard for them either. Right. Like no one ever had that and said, are you doing okay, Lisa? Cause it was shit for me. Right. 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 Mm -hmm. And like, and then still, you know, it's so interesting. And this is kind of you know, what led me to eventually, well, anyways, I'll get to that, but it's just, I think too, we, we carry this expectation of what motherhood is supposed to look like. And even when other people, because I did have friends telling me that, you know, it was hard for them too. I still had this expectation for myself that like, but this is the only thing that I had really dreamed of. I never had a dream career. I never had a dream anything. I was going to be a mom. Mm -hmm. And here I was hating every second of it. And it was just this really conflicting, um, just, I don't know, like, I don't want to say crisis, but it kind of was in a way, because it was like, I don't know what, like, if, if not this, then what, like, what, what am I doing? So, um, was treated for postpartum depression and anxiety, went on medication, um, stopped pumping, uh, and started to kind of reclaim my life again. And, um, I then got pregnant with my second son, uh, when Oliver was nine months old. So that was a bit of a, a shock, very fortunate that we are as fertile as we are. Um, but it was a shock for me, um, because I had just come out of, like, I was literally like weeks out of depression, like really first couple of weeks feeling, which is, you know, why my husband and I were intimate because I was feeling like myself again. And then here we go. So, (laughs) um, so after him, I had to go back to work early because I needed to get my hours. Uh, And it actually, that ended up being a saving grace for me uh, because I, uh, my son was in daycare and uh, my oldest was in daycare and I went back to work. And like I said, I really enjoy working. And so uh, then I had my second son. He was also a NICU baby. He was born not breathing. um, And uh, that was also a very hard experience, but I think because of what had happened with my first, I kind of knew the process. I knew what was, what was going to happen. And I ended up nursing him. So, um, after all of that, I decided, okay, I want to do something about this, like support for, for moms. Uh, and I started to see a life coach at the time. And I was like, oh, I have to go back to school. I have to take this course. And these courses are so expensive and blah, 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 blah. And she was like, Lisa, you have a BA in psychology. Like you have the credentials that some people would, that's what they would go back. If they were to go back to school, that's where they would start. And I was like, oh, okay. So she's like, just try it, start it for free, see what happens, whatever. And so I quite very quickly got four clients for, that I was doing for free. Um, and meanwhile, building my social media platform and connecting in, uh, connecting with the uh, small business community here in Durham, which is which is amazing. And uh, yeah, so I was kind of doing that, doing this mom coaching. And then uh, in January of 2020, uh, launched a mom group. 
I had people sign up for it. I was blown away at getting my first like real pay because I had been really doing everything for free up until that point. Uh, and then the pandemic hit mm -hmm. and, you know, it, everything went to shit. Like everything was, you know, it was chaotic and, and, uh, but it gave me an opportunity to really connect with people online and, um, and then from that mom group, I did another one and I did another one and started to accumulate one-on-one -on -one clients. And, uh, so back then my handle was spit up in sippy cups mm -hmm. and, uh, yeah. And then it got to a point where I was like, okay, I either have to, cause I was working full-time as well at my corporate job from home. And, uh, it got to a point where I was like, I have to either quit my job or put a pause on my business. And so in the middle of a pandemic, even though everybody thought I was crazy, I quit my 10 year corporate job and went out on a limb and, and, uh, started my business and, or like just did my business. Right. Uh, I worked part-time at a local store here, markets, Ontario. Uh, and, uh, so I had that and the best thing I've ever done, ever done in my life like that. It was just, the corporate world was not for me. It wasn't, it mm -hmm. was anyway. So, okay. So that's kind of the, the very long winded backstory. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, around October of 2020, I realized that like so much of the baggage that we bring into motherhood comes from before and comes from our preconceived notions. It comes from childhood trauma. It comes from the way that society expects us to be. And there's so much unlearning there. So I opened up my, um, my business to just kind of include everyone. Cause I had had some non-moms reach out to me and say like, I want to work with you, but I'm not a mom. What does that look like? And I was like, okay, let's give it a try. Uh, and that's kind of where the life coaching took over the mom coaching. And that's been about that now for uh, about a year and a year and a half. Okay. So do you think that if COVID didn't happen that you would be doing this full time right now? Honestly, I don't know. I, I don't think so because working from home during COVID gave me the ability to um, see clients during the day and um, it allowed me to spend more time online networking. And um, it, I also think that during that time, people were, we were so shook by what was happening that mm. we needed support. We needed that, um, somewhere to turn. And, you know, we were stuck inside with our kids and like, you know, we love them. Of course we love our children, but like, it's a lot, right. When all of the expectations too, you're expected to continue to work full time and virtual learning and, yes. you know, all of that. So, um, I, I honestly don't know. I'd like to say that, yes, I would still, I think I would have, but not as quickly. Like, right. I don't think it would have accelerated as fast as it, as it did. Yeah. Cause it really, it allowed you to just really feel what it would be like to just do. Yes. That, right. Totally. And during COVID, a lot of people did grow emotionally. Like you had no choice, but to connect with who you are and what you want. And, you know, yeah. the skeletons were like coming out of that closet and chasing. Oh, yeah. They chased me every day during lockdown and I had to face a lot of them. Right. So my life also changed dramatically uh, with COVID as well. Um, but getting back to the whole life coaching thing, mm. I wanted to just talk about 
like what are the benefits of seeing a life coach? What are the things that you do with your clients? Um, how, how do you guys interact? How different is it from seeing an actual therapist or like psychotherapist? So for me, um, you know, as I was, when we were talking a little bit before that, there's such a broad spectrum of, um, what coaches are and what life coaches are. And, and I kind of have my own little hybrid method and, you know, I've been in therapy on and off for, I don't know, at least 15 years. And so I bring elements of that. I bring some elements of that into, um, uh, into my life coaching. I'm not a therapist. I am not claiming to be a therapist, but there are elements that worked for me that I like to bring into my life coaching. And so I think the, personally, I actually think both are very important. And a lot of my clients see me and see a therapist as well, mm -hmm. uh, because life coaching is much more uh, action oriented. And it's much more about um, kind of taking where you are right now, understanding what your blocks are, understanding, you know, where you're stuck and helping to figure out where you want to go and the steps required to get to where you want to go. And that can look like a variety of different things. It can be, you know, a, a new career, starting a business. It can be, um, you know, it can be weight loss, it can be whatever, whatever it is for me, again, that's where all those kind of like different coaches come in for me. Um, I really like to uncover kind of what from our past is holding us back and how we can unlearn that and then move forward in a way where we feel empowered and excited and engaged. And, um, like we have purpose, which has been challenging through COVID because, there were so many pieces that were out of our control. And, you know, a big piece for me at the beginning of COVID was self-care and like, what is self-care outside of nails and hair and bubble baths? Because mm -hmm. well, the nails and hair, we couldn't even go get, get done. Right. Um, and so it was okay. And, you know, for a lot of people too, it's like connecting back to themselves again after, um, living through trauma, having children, like all of these different, you know, a lot of lives, well, all of our lives blew up over the last two years. And like you said, a lot of significant changes happened and the skeletons mm. came out and um, learning, like I, I, it's, we were forced to slow down mm -hmm. and really see what was going on inside of us. So that for me is, and then where therapy is really great is um, you know, talking about the past, talking about um, uncovering trauma, working through that trauma. Uh, and that plays a little piece in, in life coaching, but that's much more where therapy shines. And that's why I think both are important because in order to move forward, in my opinion, in order to move forward, we need to understand what happened to us and make peace right. with that. I, so I it's not, you know, I'm not saying you can't move forward if you haven't healed your trauma, but I think that that plays a massive role in it. And that's why I do recommend both. I think it's great to have both. It doesn't have to be both at the same time, but it can be, you know, I think it's important to have that, have therapy and also to have coaching. Yeah. I think like with my own personal experience, when I, I thought I had dealt with it, but I never really dealt with it. And I have three children and 
their lives would re repeat the traumas that I had and I would relive it and it would it would destroy me because I'm like now my kids are living it but it was like a cycle that I allowed to continue because I did not I did not change it right I I like wrote a narrative and handed it to my kids when they were born without them being like, oh, wow, thanks. This is my story, right? They're like, I don't want that story. You know what I mean? So yeah. once I could deal with it, I then gave them the tools to be like, okay, my story can now change. Like, does that make sense? Yes, totally. I love that. And, you know, it's, I think we're also in a generation where, we're breaking a lot of um, generational trauma. Mm -hmm. And because we are exactly what you said, we're taking a look at like, okay, these are things that I don't love. And these are the things that, and it's, it's really hard. It's really hard to confront that. It's really hard to um, acknowledge and then to, to correct it. And we're, you know, we're flawed. We're humans. Humans, we're always going to make mistakes. We're still going to be tricked. Like, parenthood is extremely triggering it just it just is and so to even have the 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 recognition of like okay these are patterns I don't want to repeat with my kids that takes a great deal of understanding acknowledge or um, awareness and then kind of that strength to to correct because our you know when we're stressed when we're overwhelmed when we're tired when we're all those things it's our subconscious that reacts first not our logical brain right and that's where I find with working with a lot of people is they're like I don't want to be this way but I don't know how to not and so you know that kind of comes into with the work that that I do where it's like okay let's really pay attention then to the body like the body holds on to trauma and memories way better than our brain does yes but it also like the subconscious reaction is triggered by the body. And so it's like learning about, okay, when my body does this, this is the emotional reaction I have. Mm -hmm. And this is where it comes from. And then it's kind of like about, excuse me, interrupting that, that pattern and right. very much like, okay, but it takes a lot of fucking work and you're, it, we're tired, we're tired. Oh. And it, you know, and so to, I talk, I, a lot of my clients are parents and there's, we're also worried about fucking up our kids. And I'm like, we're going to that. The thing is we're going to, because we are flawed. We are imperfect humans, mm -hmm. but the differences between how we healed and how our children will heal is we are going to take the time to sit with them and apologize and help them to, you know, when they come to us in their twenties and they, they have a therapist and, you know, they say this really fucked up when this happened, when I was a kid, we will sit there and be like, I'm sorry and listen and validate their experience. Whereas that some, my mom is pretty good at that. She's, she's kind of a groundbreaker when it comes to, she's been in therapy my whole life. She has ADHD and all of those things. And, um, but a lot of parents feel very defensive about, you know, well, I tried my best. I'm like, yeah, I know you did. And I appreciate that, but also it really sucked when you did A, B, and C yeah. and then we get dismissed. And so I think that's where we're really going to shine as our generation with our kids is like, yes, we'll fuck up and we're going to cause some damage. Hopefully it's minimal, but whatever damage it is, we'll be there to help them through it. Yeah when they get older and when they're processing it on their own. And I, to me, I think that that is like one of the most powerful things we can do as parents. It's not to be perfect. Mm -hmm. It's to like show them how to be humans and also 
validate their experiences for them. Yeah, I validating is like huge, like huge for me. But I think also we have so many free tools that we are able to access all the time. Whereas, you know, in the past, it was like, this is your book and like, it's all black and white. This is how you raise your kids. You know, they're to be seen, not heard. You know, you have problems. Wait you're an adult and you have to pay bills. Those are problems, you know, like those are all things that I heard growing up when I would cry about my problems, right? But I did, I did cry and go to bed thinking, my son is going to hate the fuck out of me when he's older because of what happened today. Right. Because it is really hard. It's really hard, but I think that they definitely have more of a grasp on their own emotions and they know how to express it a hell of a lot better because we listen a lot more to it. Right. We're, we're more willing to fix it instead of like, like I truly believe in fixing the problem, not just, moving forward yeah, right putting a mandate on it and being yeah like, that should be good yeah yeah because if you don't fix it like you said you you go back to people's traumas and you you have to fix it you have to work on it you have to face it and I think without doing that there is never going to be true peace within somebody and m- my life story may not be as you know hard as someone else's but it may be really hard compared to someone's as well oh. and that's what we have to remember. Like who cares what other people experience is about what you have experienced. That is one of the most common things I have heard from, and I have had clients from the broad spectrum of life and, uh, every single one of them says to me, well, it could have been worse. And some of them, I'm like, I actually truly don't know how it could have been worse for, for you, but it's like, you know, the body interprets trauma the same way. It doesn't necessarily matter. I mean, obviously, yes, the the trauma itself does matter, but in terms of how it functions in our body, trauma is, you know, evolutionarily speaking, trauma was like a tiger standing in front of you and you had to make the choice to run or leave. And so the body still processes in that way, whether Mm -hmm. it's, you know, a parent yelling at you or whether it's like that you experienced homelessness as a child, like our body is still like, working to keep us safe and to keep us protected. And it holds on to all of those memories, but interprets it the same way. Mm-hmm. And so when we're triggered, um, it's, it's still that fight, flight, or freeze response. That's, that's triggered from, you know, I keep saying paleolithic days, but that's not the correct time period, but from like evolutionarily speaking that, right. Like that's, that's where it, um, our bodies are still like that and they still, act like that. And so that's why a lot of the work that I do too, is understanding the body and your, your physical reaction before your emotional reaction right. and understanding like, okay, when my stomach clenches, my natural instinct is to yell because my body is like, something's going on, something's wrong. And when something's wrong, we yell or we run away or we hide or we, whatever, whatever it is, whatever coping mechanisms we've come up with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it's interrupting that cycle and replacing it with new, healthier behaviors, which in theory sounds very easy, but it's very challenging to, yeah. to do. And it's hard and it's scary because it's outside of our comfort zone. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm a yeller. <clears throat> I, as soon as I, cause I feel like when I was young, I was never heard. So now when I'm angry, I scream, I've learned to try not to scream as much, but that's what I would do because 
I wanted to be heard. And so I'm really trying to now speak with like love and compassion instead, because I think people will listen more when you speak with love and compassion than with anger, but it's very difficult to control your emotions when for years, that's one of my triggers not being heard, like no one listening to what I'm saying. And I feel like I'm speaking a different language because they're looking at me like I'm not making sense. Right. Right. Yeah. That's very, that's very triggering for sure. And like, well, and you know, kids just don't listen. And so that's triggering too, right? Like they're off in their own little world and they're, you know, and, and, uh, my, my, yeah, that's, that's in our house too. Like that's a trigger for my husband is, is like people not listening to him. And, um, and that reminder too, that like, it's not personal, like they're just their kids, they're zoned out there, you know, and, and it's, but it's hard. It's hard to process that. And then it, and it all happened so quickly too, right? right? Like the trigger happens and you're yelling, like it happens within a matter of Yes. second. And so to interrupt that is very hard, especially because then you got to remember that that's what you're doing. And that's the right. And then, you know, as moms, we carry a lot in our brains, there's a big mental load. And so it's like yeah. one other thing that we're trying to think of on top of wondering about the laundry and getting groceries and, you know, yeah. doing whatever and recording the podcast, setting the, you know, right. Like yeah. it's, it's hard. Yeah. It's hard. I will never, you know, and I say to a lot of my clients too, like, you when we're talking and I find there's a pattern with, with healing where there's like this initial, like almost like a honeymoon stage where you like heal a trauma or you work through it and you feel really good and you feel light and you feel like, yeah, this is amazing. And then you keep going and you get into the nitty gritty. And then there's a period of feeling like shit and it can last anywhere from a month to a year, like it depends on what your journey is and what you're uncovering and what you're healing. And a lot of people, and understandably so, that's when they kind of, I don't want to say give up because that makes it sound like they're they're like doing something wrong, but that's where sometimes growth stops because it yeah. is, it's fucking hard. It is hard. And I often encourage my clients to take breaks from from doing the work. Like also enjoy your life. You're not a project that needs to be fixed. It's something that can, and we're always growing, we're always learning. So it's like, you also need to enjoy the fruits of the labor that you've already put into this personal development and, and taking that time for yourself. And, uh, because it's, it's, it's hard. It's a job. It's conscious. It's a lot of conscious work. It's on top of all of the stressors of regular life. Right. So, um, it's, that's why a lot of people too, don't, don't feel safe to because sometimes it gets a lot worse before it gets better. And that can feel very scary. For sure. And it's just what they say though, right? You have to weather the storm before the sun comes out and it really sucks, especially if you've had such a hard life to begin with. And you think, when is it going to finally stop? Right. Yep. Yep. But I think like giving celebrations of small wins is also very important, you know, even if it's just being able to just do one thing that you couldn't do before, say one thing you couldn't say before, like you have to celebrate that because that is a change you've made. And often the changes are so minuscule that you don't notice them as they're happening. Right. And so I love that you say that because that's the big part of the work that I do too, is, 
is like sitting with my clients, especially ones that I've worked with for six months, a year and being like, like, look, look, let's look at yourself now versus where you were when we first started, like, look at all of the work that you've done and all of the changes you've made. And, you know, when it's yourself, it's hard to see those things. And so you also sometimes need that outside perspective to be like, you know, when you came in here, this X, Y, and Z, but now, you know, A, B, and C, and it's celebrating that and recognizing that. And, and, you know, that's, I think one of the challenges with mental health work as well is it's not like losing weight where there's a scale and you can see and measure the growth. Mm -hmm. It's very, and people aren't, you know, which people shouldn't be commenting on anybody's bodies anyways, but like, you know, during weight loss journeys, people will be like, oh, look at all the work you're doing, blah, blah, blah. And when you're doing mental health, it's not the same. Nobody's congratulating you. Nobody's standing there being like, wow, way to go to therapy for six months in a row. That's a real commitment, right? Like we should, those are things we should be congratulating people on, but maybe one day. Um, So that's it too, right? Like a lot of people need validation. I'm one of those people. I'm a big words of affirmation person. Like validation is huge for me. And, uh, so, you know, that's why it can be hard, especially to self-regulate and self-motivate. It can be, it can be challenging. Yeah. Yeah. I've told my husband many times, like you need to validate me like on a daily basis. Like even if it's just like, wow, babe, you didn't hit snooze this morning. Good job. Like I need that I need that validation because I'm praising myself and I should only yep. praise myself, but guess what? It, it just fuels me to it know that something, nice. yeah, right? Well, they're not, they're recognizing you. So that's another thing is like, I want to be recognized, right? Like yep. it feels like I've always been under the radar in life and I don't want to be under the radar anymore, right? Totally. Yep, mm-hmm. I totally hear you. My husband yeah. and I have a conversation all the time and he's very good about it, but it's like, I'm like, no, I don't think you realize sometimes how much validation I need. Not all the time, but there's some days where it's like, if I've, you know, really cleaned the house and every, got everything sorted with the kids and blah, blah, blah. Like I just, and it doesn't have to, you know, I don't need a parade, but I just want you to acknowledge that that's like, you know, thank you. That's it. Yeah. That's all it takes. Like I'm very, you know, um, but yes, I, I hear you. I'm very much like, I just need words of affirmation. That's my love language. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So I'm going to ask you if somebody's listening, they're like, do I have triggers? Have I been through trauma? Like, what are some things that you can say, you know, if you're feeling this, or if you, you know, are thinking this, yes, you definitely have triggers in your life. Like what guidance can you give on that? Um, first of all, I'm going to tell you that, yes, you have triggers regardless. Everybody does. We just do. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think the, the key, the key piece for me is kind of what you were sharing before is like when you have an emotional reaction and then you feel remorse about it after the fact, that's usually a pretty key indicator that something inside of you was triggered and you had a reaction that was outside of your uh, control or outside of your comfort zone. And so then it's kind of like working, it's hard. And this is what the benefit is for therapy and for both life coaching is it is hard to retrace those steps and re understand those patterns yourself. Mm -hmm. So that's a big piece of the work that I do as well Is my first two sessions with someone are usually just about like, tell me about your childhood. Tell me about like your life, what's going on right now. And through all of that, I'm usually able to see like, okay, these are the things that trigger you. So when exactly what you were saying, I feel like people don't listen to me, but like, sometimes that's not, you know, it's, it, it, 
you experience it as I get so mad when my kid ignores me. And so, you know, that that's a trigger, but it's like, but why does that bother you? Like what's underneath that? Let's go a couple layers deeper. Um, and then it's like, oh, because nobody listened to me when I was growing up and I feel the only way that I'm hurt is to yell. Okay, great. So let's work with that. What are other ways that like, how can you communicate that to your family? How can, no, I'm not picking on you. I'm just, you know, right. yes, that yes. that you use. <laughs> um, but like, how can you communicate that to your family? How can we make it so that they, when you are talking, they make sure to acknowledge and say, mom, I'm listening, but I'm coloring at the same time mm-hmm. so that you feel acknowledged. Um, and so like, yeah, I would say the biggest piece is when there is an emotional reaction that you have some sort of regret or remorse around, or you're like, I don't even know why I acted like that. Or, you know, when you're having a conversation with, with, for me, it's usually my partner, bless his heart. Um, you know, where it's like the toilet paper roll didn't get replaced and we get into an argument. It's not about the toilet paper roll. Mm -hmm. Who cares about that? But it's about the fact that I feel underappreciated or, you know, whatever. And then so it's like, okay, so where does that come from? And then again, how can we communicate that to your partner that like, it's not about the toilet roll, but I feel like if you can't be bothered to replace it, that means that you don't care about me again, not true, but that's, that's my thought process. Right. Okay. So it's like understanding that kind of pattern, I think is like a great place to start. Okay. I love that. I, I just, I love that you speak. So like, I could talk to you like all day because you just, <laughs> you really just really speak to like, to my soul, honestly, like it's just, you are definitely in the right element of your life when it comes to what you're doing. Like, honestly, I just feel so much authenticity from you. Like you really are truly like, I don't even know you. And I just love <laughs> you so much. Like you just feel my, like you're, you're just full of so much happiness. Um, I want to hit on two other things. Yeah, absolutely. First, I saw that you are going to be partnering up with Ashley and teaching Zumba. You're a Zumba instructor. (laughs) So, um, okay. Let's tell the story super quick. So when I was in high school, my, I'm in case you can't tell with my big dramatic beautiful wall here. I love performing. I've always loved performing. I was in musicals all through high school, choir, all of those things, um, kind of like gave that up in university. Uh, and then when I moved in with my husband, we lived in Oshawa and I'm from Markham, didn't know anybody out here. Uh, and so I decided to try a Zumba class, um, fell in love. I love dancing. I love music. I love all of those things. Uh, so I decided to get my Zumba license. Uh, this was 2011, um, taught many, many years, but then I got pregnant and it was too much jumping. My poor little body couldn't like handle it. Um, so anyways, I had her and I did not know each other at the time, but she had a studio here in Bowmanville. And I actually taught for her a couple of times and just like loved her, loved her vibe, didn't know who she was. Um, but you know, and then fast forward another four or five years and I connect with her on social media and, uh, I was working out with her for many years, like through her online program. Uh, I was an ambassador for her for a while. And, uh, and then this last year she had kind of, and I had given up my Zumba license. 
Um, and uh, she posted about needing instructors. And I was like, oh, LOL, like I should do Zumba. And she was like, LOL, that would be fun. And then I kind of left it. And then she messaged me and she was like, okay, like, I think we were both joking, but like, would you teach Zumba again? And I was like, maybe, like, I'd have to retake a course, like, blah, blah, blah. And then literally the next day I got an email from the Zumba they email you every six months to get you back um and they literally the it was like literally the next day it was like reinstate your zumba membership for free you don't have to take a course it's whatever and i was like okay so i guess i'm doing this yeah so um i've been teaching zumba with her since september and uh so her and i are launching now a program in april Mm -hmm. Uh, well we're launching it on monday but it's for april and it's uh yeah ashley's an incredible human. Her team's amazing. Like I've loved, loved them. And it's such a, uh, you know, one of those things where you put it out into the universe, like my dream, they were like celebrities to me when I first. Me too. Right. Yes, (laughs) totally. I was thinking about that the other day where I was like, oh my God, 2019 Lisa would be like screaming her head off that she gets to like, that I get to do this with her because she's just her whole, like I said, her whole team, Kaylee, like Mayor, everybody, yeah. they're just such incredible humans. And, and it's so cool to find people that you just align with mm-hmm. and like, you know, dismissing the diet culture. I had a lot of disordered eating yes. as a kid and into teenhood, early adulthood. And so to find a company, a fitness company, that's like, that's not even a part of their mission yes. is so refreshing. And yeah. it's not about restricting. It's about what can you add into your diet to make you feel better and, and healthier and happier? And it was just like, yeah. So it's, uh, she's wonderful. Her team's wonderful. I love her to pieces and I'm so excited for, for the program that we're going to be doing. Yeah. I started to follow them because I got into personal training myself. I was an instructor and I was just like, wow, I cannot believe they aren't like, you know, get that summer body in January. Like they never talked about weight loss. They just talked about feeling good and your gut health and proper food. And when I, the first time I saw Kaylee and Ashley out, it was at a restaurant in Whippy, the organic kitchen. Yep. I said to my daughter, go, those are the girls from Royally Fit. And I didn't go (laughs) see them. (laughs) I was like, I can't believe I saw them in person. And then myself and Kaylee have become friends. And I told Kaylee that story. So the first time that I met Ashley, Kaylee had told her and she's like, you should have come to say hi to me. I was like, I was so nervous to say hi to you. And I still was that day talking to her. I was like, so nervous because she truly has changed so many lives. And she changed my life a lot with the story she told about her mom. And that really made me think like, what am I doing with my life being so focused on appearance when in the end, when I die, I'm not going to be known as that fat person. I'm going to be known as a human being. And it was never in my, that was never my thought process until the day I saw her one story on YouTube. And I thought, shit, like she totally changed my outcome about me. Right. It was so, so moving. Um, but if you want to, I'll add the info about the Zumba, um, mm-hmm. thing for royally fit and yourself. Yes. And then I, we don't have a lot of time because I want to keep these like as, you know, under an hour if I can, but you also have ADHD. And so yes. we spoke before 
jumping on the podcast and I would love to come back and do a podcast about you living with it, living before you were diagnosed with it and all the stigma and all of that stuff. So if you want to touch on that a little bit, you can right now. Sure. Um, uh, that's what my ADHD is, what makes me, uh, tell stories that last for a hundred years. Um, cause I feel like I need to include every single de- detail. Um, but essentially, uh, I was diagnosed with ADHD when I was back then. So, uh, now they just use the term ADHD to encompass everything, but back then it was ADD and ADHD. Uh, and I had both, I think the HD, because the H stands for hyperactive, that was like subclinical for me because I didn't have the hyperactive presenting, but I definitely had attention deficit. Um, But after the diagnosis, nobody really told me what it meant. It was just kind of like, here you go. I also was diagnosed with anxiety and depression. And that was it. Like I was just kind of sent on my merry way. And all I really understood was anxiety and depression. And to me, ADHD was just kind of like, oh, so random, LOL. And it was like something I would, you know, if I got distracted easily, I'd be like, oh, it's ADHD, but like, I didn't really know what it meant. It was just thing. And then I kind of forgot about it to be completely honest, all through my early motherhood, all through like my, my twenties. And then it wasn't until again, here we go. Thank God for the internet, um, TikTok. And um, (laughs) somehow I ended up on ADHD TikTok and well, the algorithm is creepy and how much it knows about you right away. Um, and, uh, I was like, I just started to like learn about all of these pieces of my brain that I just thought were, I was stupid or dumb or lazy or not good enough. Or, um, because that, those are the stories that I had gotten from teachers and from society. And, you know, even in my corporate job, not that anybody told me that I was dumb, but it was like, I couldn't function the same way everybody else could. And I had to work 10 times harder and it just was so frustrating to me. So learning about that has completely changed my life. And so now I actually, um, run an ADHD support group. Um, you don't have to be diagnosed. You don't have to like, and it's really for anyone who feels neurodivergent, which simply means thinking and feeling outside of what the norm is. Uh, and, uh, we just meet every two weeks and we talk about like what it's like to live with a neurodivergent brain in a neurotypical world. And uh, it is so empowering to hear from people who have similar brains to mm-hmm. me. And, you know, I've spent a lot of my life feeling like an alien in a human body and looking to others to tell me how to function, like right. very much TV shows and focusing on that. And, you know, like, oh, well, so-and-so did it on a TV show. So it's okay if I do it where it's like, no, that's not right. Um, TV is not reality. Um, and, uh, so yeah, so that's become actually a big part of my business as well is working with neurodivergent folks to understand their brains and come up with tools and strategies that work with their brain instead of against it, Right. because that is to me is so important. Like you don't have to fix it. You need to like the, the ADHD neurodivergent brain is such a fucking amazing tool when you're able to use it properly and when you're able to understand it. And so that's become something I'm very, very passionate Mm -hmm. about. And uh, yeah, so would love to talk about that 
for sure. Definitely. That forever as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because I think inclusion, we always think inclusion is like with specific things, right? But right. when it comes to like the way someone's brain functions and the way on a daily basis, how they act to know that there's that normalcy, just like how with parents, right? Oh my gosh, you're struggling. I'm struggling. Yay. I'm normal. It's the same thing. Right. And so what I love about the way the world, how the world is turning is that inclusion is happening in so many different avenues of life. And it's going to make people just feel human, you know, and and not different, although different is good, but it's not good for, for some people when they've been told that it's not a good thing. Yeah, right. Totally. Totally. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that, you know, the, and I think what's really cool too, and why this, why it's changing is more and more people are being vulnerable. And I yes. think that that's, you know, Brené Brown has a quote or her whole thing is like vulnerability breeds connection. And I think the more that we connect to each other on a human level, the less divide there is yes. amongst us. And, yeah. you know, under, even for my marriage, like my husband understanding why my brain and me together, but yeah. like, you know, for him, when he feels like I'm not listening, it's a trigger for him. And I'm like, dude, if I'm focusing on something, you don't exist. My brain does not comprehend that you are there. So you need to make sure that you're in front of me making eye contact with me before telling me something because otherwise I won't hear it. And yes. it's, again, it's not because I don't love you and I don't care what you have to say. It's because my brain does, right? Like it just, but for the longest time, that was a big bone of contention in my marriage. And so, um, our marriage. So, um, you know, that's, those are the kinds of things that I'm very passionate about helping neurotypical people and yes. And vulnerability. That's a big, that's a big thing for me is like normalizing, being vulnerable and sharing your truth, mm -hmm. not you know, share everything, but like yes. acknowledging it for yourself and for other people. And yep. that like, yeah, it's okay. Yep. If you can't nurse your kid, it's okay. If you hate motherhood for the first little bit, because it's kind of a gong show. It's okay. If right. Yep. All of those pieces. So, and you know, having like you having a podcast, you're having these kinds of conversations and that's just doing even more to, to bring people together and to connect. And it's just, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. I, my life was a lot of struggling, right? So if we can make changes so people don't have to struggle with certain yes. things in their lives, that's why it's called stop chasing what isn't changing, right? We have to like break that mold and say, this is a new way that life is being lived and handled and, and it's okay to do that. Right. Yes. So I'll, if somebody, yeah, go ahead. Oh, no. no and I was just going to say like, um, one thing that I didn't mention as we were talking about the, the life coaching piece too, is that like, there are so many different brains out there that it's also important to find the one that, that works with, with you. Yes. And like, you know, I think that's where a lot of people struggle with therapy as well as like they go to a therapist, but it's not an emotional connection. And that's, mm. that's such an important piece of it as well. And, uh, that's, why too, and I totally forgot to mention this, but like, I also have a team underneath me of, of folks who similar kind of like morals and structures to me, but I have a goal coach who helps you specifically work on one thing. We have somebody who does breath work because that's like, that really helps to move energy and move pieces around. And then we have a peer support coach who she, she focuses on um, borderline personality disorder and mental health and addictions and, and like have, you know, talking to people with similar experiences and mm. it just it 
it helps the growth and the connection and all of that so much as well. And yeah. it's just such a, oh, such a beautiful thing. I could talk about it forever. <laughs> I know, me too. Okay. So if anybody or whoever's listening, they're like, I want to follow Lisa because she just seems like such an amazing person. Um, what is your handle on IG? So my Instagram handle is uh, at that Lisa Hicks. And uh, through there, I also, um, my team's there. And I also have a, a community that I also didn't talk about. I'm really terrible about talking about business stuff. <laughs> but I also have a beautiful community. We have a mom group for anyone who, you know, feels like they're outside of the norms of motherhood. Um, we're called the F-bomb moms. And I have my ADHD support group. And then we have an open community sharing circle as well. Uh, as just like a safe place to come and share. So um, we have any price point, any, whatever you, wherever you are on your stage of life, we probably have something for you. Okay. Is there, there's probably like a link tree or something like that in yes. your bio? Yeah. So it's all of the information's on my website. Uh, it's lisa-hicks.com. Apparently lisahicks.com was taken. Um, and uh, all of the information's on there as, as well as our, you know, group programs, one-on-one -on -one support. We offer free 15-minute uh, consultations to kind of find the right fit for you. And um, yeah, all the information's there. Okay, so I'll also post it um, in the write-up for the podcast for anybody listening. Um, so I want to say thank you. I could like talk forever and ever. I'm so happy that you came across in my life at the right time for myself to um, connect with you. And I look forward to many more conversations, I hope, to help yeah. connect other people that are in the same path of life um, that we are. So thank you. And to everybody else, thank you. I'm Elaine Scuds. Don't forget to stop chasing what isn't changing and have the most amazing day. Thank you for allowing me to take up space in your day. I always invite conversation to happen. If you felt connected to today's podcast, please send me a message. I would love to hear from you. If you enjoyed today's podcast, make sure that you subscribe so you never miss an episode and please share it with a friend. Also, if you have a topic that you would like for me to discuss, please reach out and let's have a conversation about it. You can email me at stopchasingwhatisn'tchanging at gmail.com. You can also find me on Instagram, elaine.g.scuds, E-L-A-I-N-E period G period S-C-U-D-D-S. Always remember to stop chasing what isn't changing in your life. Don't be afraid to create those habits and to take the steps to achieve what you desire, what you deserve, and what you have been dreaming of. I am Elaine Scuds, and I hope you have an amazing day.